welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold. I'm joined this week, as every week, with Dylan Keniston. Brother, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, brother. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing real good. And uh, thank you all again, uh, our listeners, for joining us uh, this fine morning. Uh, we hope that you'll be blessed with this uh, this episode. And again, uh, thank you for all your uh, support. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, and if you do wish to support us and are tuning in for the first time, uh, feel free to uh, take a look at our website at uh, the number two guys in a Bible dot org, and there uh, you can find latest episodes and reach out and contact us. Send us any any questions that you might have for us to tackle. Uh, this week will be on the image of on the image of God, the Imago Dei, right? To use the fancy Latin phrase, right? Um, and we're going to talk about what does the image of God mean when we say that phrase, when that phrase is used. I mean, it gets thrown out. I wouldn't say it gets thrown out a lot. It gets used certainly in Christian circles, but uh, there are folks that have some questions as to well, how far does it go? What does it mean to say that humans are in the image of God? And uh, what kind of implications does that have for us mm. in our lives, right? So, where to begin? Well, I guess we can uh, begin, you know, with some with some basic foundational definitions. You know, what's an image? Mm. Like we can start start with there. Um, it seems like, an, uh, you know, when we think of images, I think of you know what do you, what your what's your reflection in a mirror, right? That's your image when you look at the at the mirror. Now. That's that's not a carbon copy, right? You're not. Uh, I mean, it's it's just a, you know, the mirror is a piece of metal, whatever reflective metal, and inside of it is just a picture of you. It's still two dimensional, you know. It's not uh, physical, so it seems like an, you know an, an image just represents something. You know, pictures, paintings. If you saw a painting of, you know, the sunset, you wouldn't say that that is the sun. You know, or that is a real, uh, a real, a real tree or anything like that. But it's an image of it. It's a picture of it. So uh, it resembles something, not a copy of something greater, mm. something real, right? So I think that's kind of where I would I wanted to begin talking about image of God, and as humans, how are we uh, resembling God? In what way do we do we do that? Where so what would you what would your thoughts be on that, Dylan? Yeah, I mean, I'm, so so there's a number of ways in which we um, in which the image of God uh, makes itself manifest in in humanity, uh, uniquely so. Um, so for example, we in Genesis uh, one twenty six. This is the the text that lays this out. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness." And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God created man in His own image, and the image of God had created him, male and female. He created them. So, Genesis one twenty six to twenty seven kind of lays that foundation for our being made in the image of God. And now, in this text, I mean, and it, it gets applied in a number of different ways. I think one of the ways in which it's applied here is is humanity's rule over creation, right? Mm -hmm. So God is sovereign. God has authority. God rules over creation. And one of the ways in which we image God is now being tasked to rule over the earth and rule over 
the animals. Yeah. Um, so that's that's something that kind of have there's this uh, analogous uh, relationship there. Likewise, too, we see later uh, in Genesis uh, how God talks uh, with mm. with his uh, with Adam and Eve, and how um, you know God establishes a relationship with Adam and Eve. You know, walking with them in the cool of the day. You know, this kind of thing. So uh, there's this there's this capacity for uh, relationship with God mm. that human beings have in in a in a unique kind of sense as well. Um, I mean, mm. one of the one of the things we want to, yeah. I think, we want to not jump too too quickly, and I, not just like here, but like in in general as Christians, is a lot of times the very first thing we think of is like human beings are made in the image of God. Now, how are we different from the animals? You yeah. know, that, that's like one of the first things we jump to, right? And one of the reasons it's it's important not to just jump to that, although there's a lot to say about that. You know, there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot. I remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine. Gosh, this was years ago, um, and you know we would talk about human dignity and the oh, uniqueness yeah. of human dignity, and he would just kind of hammer on this notion, just like human beings are not that different from the animals. And he's citing all this research that showed that you know dogs can sense empath empathy, and elephants returning to the graves of other elephants, and just like all these other things that kind of are you know in his mind are kind of showing this parallel. <laughs> um, so it, it's you know, and capacity for language, you know, the, those kinds of things. So oh, the, abstract thought, abstract thought, right. So the, like, those are the kinds of things that I was like pushing on. But, you know, one of the things that I was missing in the articulation of this, of this notion of image was like, that there's this, there's this biblical theology, there's this biblical trajectory of, of image in scripture, where we see that, you know, human beings are first made in, in, in God's image, we're, we're made in God's image, mm -hmm. right? So when Jesus, I know that we're skipping ahead a bit, but when Jesus comes incarnate, like he is God's image, right? So while we have in the context of the fall, the image is still present, though bent, we'll come to that. Um, so so in, in our image, we, we read elsewhere in scripture, I think in Colossians, that we are coming to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Like that is the covenantal image who... The, the image of the one whom we we bear covenantally is Christ. When we are Christians, we co we're coming to be conformed back to His likeness, but He is the image of God, right? In in yeah. a, in a way that that we are not. Yeah, um, He's the perfect. Yeah, exactly. The imprint of His the nature. perfect imprint of His nature. Isn't exactly. that the, from Hebrews, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, believe it's from yeah. Hebrews. Um, okay, so, but you would agree that this does set us apart from the animals. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I just wouldn't start there. I, it absolutely oh. does. There's no question. Um, even if by by some stretch you were to say that animals have some form of, of life. I mean, no, no animal uses signs. No animal uses symbols. No animal you has has the the ability to articulate the itself in abstract thought and yeah reason reason and exactly so I, I I don't really think that I think it's a very uphill battle to argue the opposite <laughs> yeah um, but it's just you know, like I because at that point you're talking about a distinction in degrees and in magnitude rather than in in a definite distinction that that was where. He, where you know my particular friend was was pushing on. Oh, I see. You know, so so what are those kind of points of you know firm distinction, and then kind of will play in 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 those areas where there's gradation. Yeah, you mentioned uh, in the main 
kind of our main passage, Genesis 1, 26, 27. Uh, it's very interesting reading through it that uh, that uh, in 127, it's almost, it's very poetic. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Yes. Right? And then before that, verse 26, it says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds, livestock, everything, right? But then in verse 28, it says, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Yes. So this... Um, this calling to have uh, a proper authority to, to have dominion mm. is both before and after that main um, Genesis one twenty seven passage mm. on image of God, which it seems like it's kind of sandwiched in. It's sandwiched in yeah. there, so it seems like the, what you said about authority and having dominion is a key aspect of what it means to be in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Image bearers of God have authority that's different than what animals have yeah. yeah humans humans have authority over the animals now of course we know that's been that's been broken and messed up because of the fall but it still exists nonetheless uh humans have that uh, authoritative uh, role uh, they're they're supposed to be uh stewards of god's creation they're supposed to be uh in a way his vice regent uh, uh, uh reigning and ruling in the name of god not in the name of himself but in the name of god he is to reign and rule and you mentioned that Jesus is the perfect image of, of God, mm. and He does that perfectly. He reigns and rules uh, on behalf of the Father, uh, perfectly there. Yeah, and um, that's why I was thinking. Yeah. One of the passages I was thinking of was Colossians one fifteen. He He Christ is the image of the invisible God, mm -hmm. the firstborn of all creation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. For by Him all things were created. So whatever, whatever firstborn means of all creation in the previous i know that's not the topic for today by him all things were created right so he he, he was not himself a created being or and you know mm -hmm. some kind of uh, demigod in any kind of sense he is that by which all things were created and yet he is also himself the image of the invisible god yeah that makes sense um there's other aspects i think maybe of image of god oh yeah you mentioned the the communicative the mm -hmm. communal relational yeah. one Humans are, are kind of unique in that regard. Yes. Um, and I think that also reflects God's nature. He is a interrelational being, mm -hmm. a trinity, mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, eternally loving one another and communing together. Uh, we see that uh, God calls his people to commune with him mm -hmm. together, right? And we see this also in the New Testament with the Lord's Supper. I mean, it's called communion, right? Where we sit down with uh, uh, the Son of God, uh, Christ Himself, and commune with Him and with each other, and we're called um, the body of Christ, which is a a communal aspect, one body, many members, right? Uh, very relational, um, and so I think humans bear that very uniquely as uh, image bearers of God. Mm. Um, the communicative, the commu So you have the you have the communicative slash rational part of it. You have the communal slash relational part of it, and then you have the creative slash authoritative part of it. And so I kind of made it, divided up into those three categories in mm -hmm. a way. Um, and I, I, you know, kind of speak on the creative part of it there too. Um, God creates the world, and it's obvious that humans are creative in kind of a uh, in, in a subset. 
hmm. in, in a subsense. Like we use creative gifts, artistic gifts, design, you know, that whole intelligent design aspect. Now, we don't create things out of nothing. Right. We're using the raw material that God has given us, but he's given us the skills, the ability to create in a way. Hmm. And um, in, in some ways, we create things after our own image, too. You know, just think of AI and computers and some of the things that's yeah. that's being developed now, which are almost in a way being in the image of man, hmm. right? Um, and so, uh, those are some of the things that I was thinking as I was trying to uh, go through Scripture here uh, regarding what what does that image mean there? So, um, is the image lost after the fall? <laughs> Well, yeah, to throw that question out so early, Dylan. I know. So early. You went there. You went Chomping there. at the bit, brother. Okay. Chomping at All the right. bit. <laughs> well, I think I think we will have an episode on sin yeah. specifically, but I think we could talk about that for a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, short answer, it does not eradicate or annihilate or destroy mm. the image of God. Uh, but the image of God is twisted. You could use the word twisted. Uh, bent, bent, distorted, bent. marred. Um, Fast. I think the reason for that is because the reason we can say that is because uh, the image of man is a creative image. It's 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 out of creation, right? Mm. So God created Adam and Eve, and they are created in His image. Now, when Adam and Eve sin, they're not uncreated. Mm. Okay, so they're not immediately destroyed and annihilated. Yeah. Okay, they are still created. By God, but now they're in rebellion hmm. against Him. So I, I think that uh, that's one strong reason why we can say um, that we haven't lost, like completely lost, the image of God in that regard. Yeah, I um, think that's good. That's yeah, good. Uh, I was uh, reading uh, a book from G, uh, by G.K. Beale, uh, which I highly recommend. By the way, this book is uh, called "We Become What We Worship." And in it, he has, in chapter 4, he spends a little bit of time talking about what it means to be uh, in the image uh, of God. Uh, in fact, he says at the very beginning of this chapter that when Adam stopped being committed to God and stopped reflecting God's image, he began uh, revering something else in the place of God. And he, re he started to resemble his new object of worship there. So... Uh, Beale goes on to say that uh, Adam and Eve were to reflect God's kingship. They were to reflect God's glory, his divine, his divine glory. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and they were, to, you know, he mentions subduing the earth and multiplying. Um, but then he says that uh, when he sinned, Adam, it, it got distorted, Right. Uh, Adam and Eve, they stopped reflecting God's image as they should have. Mm -hmm. uh, he goes on to talk about how uh, when they chose to obey Satan and, and serve themselves in a way, they began to reflect a different image, mm -hmm. not God's image. Um, and he goes on throughout his book to talk about how idols, uh, when we worship idols, we begin to reflect the idol, yeah. not reflecting God. So... I guess there's a way you could say that there's an objective, there's an objective truth, like we are objectively in the image of God, but there's also like a functioning aspect of it, like are we functioning as image bearers of God? Mm -hmm. And so I think the objective part is always there, but the functioning part is really messed up, mm -hmm. you know. So instead of subduing the earth 
as a representative of God. We are we become tyrants. We abuse the earth. We abuse each other, and we we um we act as our own authorities, mm. right? Not under the authority of God. Um, and there's other ways too. You know, communicative, rational. You know, instead of instead of speaking rightly and thinking rightly, we our, our sin has messed up our thought process. You know, we we don't think as we should. You know, we, we make logical uh, errors. And then the whole communal and relational aspect, right? Like, because of sin, we, we hurt each other. Mm-hmm. We don't uh, enjoy proper relationship. Uh, Adam and Eve were at odds with each other. Our marriages are, are messed up, you know, uh, all because of sin. So sin seems like it's affecting every aspect of man's, uh, man's existence, including how he reflects God. But doesn't mean he stops reflecting God. Is that... Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really good. Your thoughts on that there? I mean, I think it's a good summary. And, and you know, we see the same affirmed in Scripture uh, elsewhere, you know, uh, even even post-fall, right? You get Genesis 9, 6. Mm. Whoever sheds the blood of a man by his by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own oh, that's image. That's interesting. And even post-fall, you've got reference biblically to okay. human beings made, being made in God's image. Likewise, uh, James 3, verse 9 with the tongues we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Um, mm. So there's there's a handful of kind of biblical passages that kind of just reinforce what you've been okay. saying, which is really good. Yeah, yeah I actually hadn't considered the fact that the fa- uh, the point that Scripture mentions the image of God after the fall as a yeah. basis for certain behavior. Yeah. Uh, demonstrates that the image still remains. Which is like in Genesis 9, 6, for, I know we've touched on this in the past, but like uh, with respect to capital punishment, why it's, yeah. you know, basically on what grounds is capital the pun- capital punishment defended here, it's because human beings are made in the image of God, right? It's because that we have this value immune in us by our creator who mm-hmm. is infinitely valuable that an affront to, to murder someone made in God's yeah. image is an affront to his maker, the maker of the one who, it's, whom you murdered. It's almost, it's, it's thinking like, that is the closest, like, I'm just thinking uh, about people who are sinners now as because of rebellion. Yeah. Murder is, you know, one of the most, I would say, aside from, uh, you know, sinning against God, it's the greatest, you know, greatest sin you can commit because you are, you are, you are, you are destroying or attacking that which is in the image of God. Right. Right. It's almost as close as you could get to killing God. You would try by killing man mm. in, in a way. I mean, and Satan does it. Satan can't reach God, but he goes after Adam and Eve. I know Jesus talks about uh, in the Gospels about Satan being a murderer from the beginning. Like from the beginning. And you kind of have to ask the question, well, why is he a murderer? Like in Genesis, he doesn't actually kill anybody. But his whole purpose as the as the deceptive serpent, is to steal, kill, and destroy, which he begins his quest in the garden against Adam and Eve uh, there. So that leads us to consider some of the uh, applications for this. Mm. So we've briefly touched on some of the key aspects of image of God. And you mentioned Genesis 9-6 being a key passage. Mm. Like the whole point of of the punishment of murder, capital punishment, is rested on image of God language, right? Right. So I would say, and I think the Bible is very clear about this, is that this is uh, the image of God concept 
the truth of it is the foundation for uh, morality and mm. and uh, and justice. I would say the human rights, if you will. Because sure. um, I've had these conversations with my my atheist coworkers and 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 friends and whatnot, and I always try to bring up like, what? Where do human rights come from? Yeah. If, yeah, that's exactly if right. We're not, if we're just animals, if we are no different than a bug, you know, whatever, than any kind of rodent out there, I mean, those animals and insects don't have rights. Hmm. Why do we have rights? Hmm. What makes us special, right? Exactly. You know, why, is, why should anyone care if a human is, is killed, you know? So I think that without this image of God idea, you don't have a foundation for uh, morality, yeah. And you know, I, like a lot of the things that we just take for granted, like, you know, I, I think we've, I've mentioned this before, but like this concept of, you know, the golden rule, do, you know, mm. do unto others. But, but when you, when you say others, right, we don't apply, we don't apply pieces of furniture in that category, <laughs> right? We do don't want to this chair. Yeah. Here. Well, but why not? Right. And when you start to peel back that onion, what you see, what you find near the center of that onion is this notion of, a human being made in the image of God that has this intrinsic value. Now, one of the here, here one of the ways in which um, I think, when, like when we're talking about the intrinsic value of of human beings, the unique value of human beings, um, you know, it's it's a derivative value, and I think that's something that is that is important, crucial to to preserve. Right? We don't when we talk about um, the condition of humanity or or um, the, the value, the dignity of humanity. The very first thing to say is not, you know, look at how um, look at how valuable we are, right? The first thing to say is, look at how valuable God, God is, is right? Mm-hmm. right? Because here's here's God who, you know, we to the extent that we have value and to the, the extent that we image God, it's an analogous image, right? It's he, God is the is the source. He is the one who is infinitely valuable, inf- infinitely worthy, infinitely glorious. And, and he, you know, human rights being founded on, on, on us being made in the image of God. That, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, that's entirely true. God has rights and, mm. and, and his rights are infinite. And, and so to whatever extent we have rights, they are always analogous to, and an extension of whatever rights God enjoys and in a limited sense, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we, I don't have the right to be on omnipotent. I don't have the right to know what's going on at, at all times and all places. And, and, you know, th- there are certain things mm-hmm. that, uh, God has a right to that, that we do not have rights to, but yeah. the rights that we enjoy stem from our value as, as creatures. And, you know, coming back to the point of Genesis nine, six, to the extent that that, value is not compromised or, or tarnished or, or affronted by other image bearers, right? Mm -hmm. That, that I don't, you don't have the right to go in and and murder some other image bearer. Yes. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think the image of God concept is so, is so important to keep it. uh, Here's what I wanted to say about, about flattening it out. Right. So if you, if you, if you flatten it out and say that there is no difference between animals and, and any and, and, and humans, right, or humans and any other thing, um, you just get yourself in a very bad a very bad situation. So, 
uh, again, because then you say, well, it becomes arbitrary. You know, why, you know, why, why can we, you know, kill kill certain animals and eat them and not do the same with humans? Mm -hmm. um, why can we, uh, you know, uh, uh, treat animals a certain way? Uh, put them in put them in pens. Put them in cages. Um, uh, use their parts. Things like that. It's it's interesting how when you when you um, abandon uh, the the idea that humans are made in the image of God, humans begin to be treated like animals, mm. and you get that in some of the most totalitarian regimes, mm. where uh, you know the Soviet Union, we sacrifice they you know they sacrifice millions of people to try to bring about the communist utopia, or um, uh, Nazi Germany, where mm. we're going to get rid of the 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 subhumans yeah right? they're no longer human no longer, and sense. that's yeah. very interesting because uh, in in almost any warfare what what you, what what one side typically tries to do is always dehumanize the other side yeah I mean just look at any of the propaganda uh, you know historically speaking in World War One the Germans were described as the Huns right you're attacking the Huns the barbarians uh, from the east that's you know that's that image right um, in World War II, we did the same thing with the Japanese. We dehumanized uh, the Japanese, and the Germans dehumanized uh, the Jewish people uh, and whatnot. So you would always try to dehumanize something in order to... It makes it easier to destroy it, yeah. to kill it, right? And so I think when you flatten out and get rid of the image of God concept, that's where you go. You go towards a very dark and, and disturbing place. Same thing with, um, dare I say, abortion. What is the common language of those who are pro-choice or pro-abortion, mm -hmm. right? It is, that's not, a, that's not image of God. Mm -hmm. Whatever is in the womb is not a person. It's not image of God. Therefore, it can be discarded Yeah, like anything else. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that's key in that, that aspect. But it's also key in another aspect. And, and you mentioned uh, how we treat one another. And I would say maybe in with regards to authority. So I mentioned earlier about the, the whole tyrannical aspect of it. So if I fail to recognize that you're in the image of God, I can treat you however I want to. Hmm. And there's no check on my authority, right? I can be an abusive person. Um, but if I'm also, if I'm not in the image of God, I'm not held to a standard, which is God's standard because God is the one of infinite value. Since you are yeah, in good. God's that's image, you have a duty and standard. obligation to reflect his image properly. Yep. So that That's speaks good. to both how you wield authority and how you are under authority mm. because you are image uh, of God there. Uh, one thing I wanted to get at, and then I want to get your thoughts on this, mm. is going back to how uh, sin has messed everything up. Uh, Paul speaks um, very interestingly in Romans 1 about that. Yeah. So in Romans 1, uh, 21... He, he says, for although they knew God, he's talking about humans, he's talking about the wrath of God is being revealed. He says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And this is key, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So there, Paul talks about the image of God um, images, right? And there's an exchange going on there where humans now, because of their sin and rebellion, are, instead of reflecting God and serving Him, they're serving idols and reflecting these, um, uh, 
uh, images resembling man and birds and creeping things and whatnot. Um, and then it's and that's kind of like the beginning of the story. But then fast forward to Romans chapter eight. It's kind of awesome how yeah. because of mm -hmm. Christ, we are now, he says, um, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So, so you have this whole you know, fall. We have exchanged uh, image of God for something else, uh, reflecting other things. And now because of Christ, we're now being conformed to the image of his son. Yeah. So we're being renewed in a way. Uh, that 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 damaged, bent, twisted image is being untwisted, un is being made straight, and being renewed. Thoughts on that, uh, brother? Yeah, in twenty five words or less. Um, <laughs> well, you can go. You can go a little longer. We got some time. Well, so okay, so let's let's park on Romans one for mm -hmm. just a minute. A lot of the categories that Paul is deploying are cognitive, right? They're, they're rational. Yeah. So for, although they knew God, they did not honor God or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts became dark and claiming to be wise. They became fools. Um, Oh, yo, I didn't mean to say that they are no longer image of God. No, 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 no. Something else. Oh, certainly not. Certainly yeah. not. Um, but I, I guess what I'm, what I'm touching on here is, um, is, is part of how the, the rebellion that we see in Romans one manifests itself is in failing to think God's thoughts after him. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a covenantal failure of Adam in the garden. So we read in first Corinthians 15, 49, just as we, so like back to this notion of image for a minute, right? There is a, I mentioned earlier, there is a covenantal sense of, of image bearing. Mm -hmm. So there's a creational sense of image bearing in which human beings uniquely uh, image God, being, having been created in, in, his, in his image. Yeah. There's also a, a representative notion, a weight to the notion of image as well. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, that is Adam, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So when Adam is our representative head there is a sense in which we we reflect the 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 darkened thinking of the sinful state in which we are in and then when we are saved when we are uh, when we believe the gospel we are redeemed by Christ we are now we are now coming to bear the image of the man of heaven so the restoration of the image that was distorted at the fall finds its climax in being restored to the image mm -hmm. of Christ and uh, Christ being the image of God, right? So now we're coming to conform to that image, right? Yeah. So that's kind of, that's a, that's the trajectory. Now in Romans one, we see one of the things that's compromised is our, is our, our thinking becomes futile, right? So that's, I, I think that's an important point. Part of what it means to be made in God's image is is thinking God's thoughts after him mm, that's, right that's that's key but he, but what we do right in our sinful rebellious state this is part of what Paul is getting at in Romans 1 is that we suppress that that knowledge right hmm. so this has implication for example when we're when we're speaking with unbelievers right it, look one practical application of this whole conversation about the image of God is that if you're a Christian the, and and you have friends or, or family members or coworkers who are non who are not Christians, they are made in God's image, and therefore know God. They, in a way, in, like they exactly in yeah. a way they know God. They know, they know that he exists. That's they right. know he exists, and they know that 
he is their creator and that they owe him. Mm. And what they do is, is there's a suppression of that knowledge. Um, you know, the, the image that's commonly used is like taking a beach ball and trying to shove it underwater. Yeah. Right. You kind of have to, you kind of have to hold it down there. It's not a work. Um, I mean, one of the ways in which, uh, this concept has been articulated historically is the, uh, we talked to, you know, the census divinitatis, the, the sense of divinity that we all kind of have within us, sort of mm. the census uh, deitatis, or the, the sense of deity, right? Mm-hmm. That we all kind of have this notion inside of us and that we can legitimately appeal to that um, in in the unbeliever when, when we're talking with them. So similarly here, I think Paul is connecting some of those same dots in, in Romans 1, that that knowledge of God gets suppressed gets exchanged. Um, and so there is this sense in which God says, okay, this is what you want. You want to have these, what, you know, Paul calls in verse 26, these dishonorable passions, then go ahead. You want to exchange the value of the beauty of the thing you have for a lie, go ahead. And and that is given over, uh, to them, given over to a debased mind. Mm. Um, but it, but that's one of the things that we are, that notion of image is, is kind of like, um, it's kind of like a, and it's something that we can anchor onto in, in the heart of the unbeliever, right? That they yeah. know that they are made in God's image. They know that their thinking has become futile and darkened yeah. and we can appeal to that because they know the God who made them in a sense. Now that's, that, that doesn't mean that like they, 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 they know the gospel and they know that no, it, it doesn't well, mean they're, that rebe- they're rebels. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't mean that they, they know everything that there is to be known about Christ. Certainly. Yeah. But what it does mean is that there is this, there is this anchor of a sense of uh, divinity that can, can be appealed to mm. in the unbeliever. Now that's interesting. Uh, you bring that up because, it kind of touches on the realm of apologetics. That's kind of a big word, but it's basically giving a defense for the faith, right? And uh, one of my favorite uh, persons to study, uh, theologians, apologists, if you would, is Cornelius Van Til. Van Til. Mm. So, you know, for those of you listening, uh, uh, Van Til uh, lived uh, early 1900s. Uh, he wrote a book, I think, called uh, Defense of the Faith. Mm-hmm. Very good book. But he speaks to this, this issue of... Uh, we the what what do we have in common with the unbeliever as Christians when we're going to share the gospel and yeah. trying to convince people of the truth of the God's word and of Christ? What's our um, what's our common ground? And the common touchstone is that we're all in, in the image of God, number one, and we're all in God's world. So we're all we're all living in God's world, and we're all in the image of God, and that is. The touchstone, and if you didn't have that, see, if the image of God was destroyed in the fall, but then Christians have the image of Christ, there's this gap, mm. like there'd be no connection between the, between fallen humans and redeemed humans. Right. But there is a touchstone, uh, even though uh, the, the fallen humans are rebels. So that doesn't, you know, I'm not trying to say that. Um, that there's a you know it's guaranteed that if you talk you know if you share the gospel with something made in the image of God an unbeliever that they're going to come to faith, I mean it still requires a miraculous act of, of God mm-hmm. to turn a rebel uh, into a follower uh, of the Lord. But the point is is that uh, we can go forward with developing uh, our our method of giving a defense mm-hmm. for the hope that we have because we're all in the image of God. We can appeal to uh 
to the unbeliever for that, for that reason, right? Um, so, uh, other other thoughts you want to touch on? No, no, that's good. That? I mean, it's it's one of the important points is just being made in God's image means analogously, right? We are thinking God's thoughts after Him, and He He reveals Himself to us. In, I mean, he reveals himself to us when he created in the garden. He reveals himself to us in scripture. He reveals himself to us ultimately in, in Christ, right? And, yeah. and as we, as we come towards straightening out that image that had been bent, um, we are conformed to the likeness of Christ. We read in, um, in first John three, two beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, hmm. because that's we shall true. see him as he is. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's, that's beautiful. Um, one other thing that, that I wanted to think to touch on was, uh, again, looking at the, the result of sin and the twisting of the image. Hmm. Um, again, going back to Romans 1, so uh, when you read through the, um, the exchanging of the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. And you mentioned that in verses 24 onwards of mm. chapter 1, Paul describes how God gives people over mm. to their lusts, to their impurity, to all manner of things. So it's basically this downward spiral. Once you, once we have uh, uh, rebelled against God and we've exchanged uh, uh, worship of Him for worshiping of created things, now we go down this dark this downward spiral, and God uh, basically gives us over to the, uh, the the fruit of that, the end result of that. And it and in the last paragraph of chapter one, so verses twenty eight and onwards, uh, Paul gives a list of things. He says, uh, "And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. For they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness." They're gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, uh, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. And then he goes on to say, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. And so when you, when you rebel against God and you begin to exchange and, and, and distort uh, the image of God, the end result is things like this. Mm. It results in behavior and action that is the natural fruit of rebellion, right? And I just can't help but thinking about uh, in our own culture, right? At, like think of the idea of animal rights. Like there is a, and I know we're not touching on this topic of you know, animal rights. Uh, there certainly is a proper way to steward God's creation. You know, the righteous man has regard for the life of his beast. That's a, a, one of the Proverbs Proverb, there. But yeah. it's interesting how a rebellious culture has dehumanized humans and humanized animals. Mm. Where there are people that treat their, they treat their, they treat animals better than they would treat certain humans. Mm. Right? Um, or, or people get up in arms about something about animals. The death of an animal or whatever. But not up in arms about the murder of unborn children, or some other dehumanized human, right? So it's like this exchange going on here where humans are gradually more and more dehumanized and animals are more and more humanized as if they're in the image of God, but they're not, yeah. right? So I think that exchange 
is taking place in a very real way in our own Western culture. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I would take it one step further. To, I mean, to complement that, that, you know, when we look at the verses you just read the, uh, up to Romans 1, 32, uh, Paul's conclusion from that is another sense. So we were talking about what we have in common human beings, you know, across all human beings, right? We're yeah. all made in God's image. Well, another thing we have in common is that we are sinners <laughs> deserving of death and <laughs> who have true. no excuse before God. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because that's what Paul says in Romans 2, 1. Therefore, so all these were, therefore, you have no excuse, oh man, right? So <laughs> like, and what he's saying is he's universalizing this notion that we all deserve judgment, right? So um, I, I would say that I, I of course, I, I wholeheartedly uh, agree with the, mm. the cultural implications that you're teasing out there, and they are important. One of the first things I would want to say to somebody who's an unbeliever, you know, who's maybe in, in the midst of making that exchange, that, yeah. that heinous exchange, yeah. is to say, um, you know, like what you were saying, where, where do rights come from? Like, you, you try to have that point of contact with them mm -hmm. in the amount, in, in the fact that both of you are made in God's image, um, to, to help them to see the, the, the state that they're in, mm -hmm. which is condemned, blind, dead in sin and trespasses and yeah. in need of the gospel and of new birth and new life that can be given by God's spirit. Um, and that that person has no excuse. Ultimately, they have no excuse because they, they, they know God, they know he's their creator. They know that they owe him as their creator. And yet they suppress that truth and make this exchange and are culpable because they're made in God's God's image. So here, um, one of the first things I would want to, I would want to say is no one has any excuse for mm -hmm. this exchange. And when we when we continue to pursue that, um, it just, it, it, it's a mark of culture blindness as a culture. Um, it's a mark of, of blindness in, in the human heart. And that's not to say that the ones who see are, are somehow better or, or smarter or yeah. wiser. Yeah. It's simply to say that those who see have inherited by grace an, an act of grace by God, by which they were given eyes to see. Um, so, I would say, you know, if, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're not a Christian and you, you know, you're, you're hearing these things and you're like, oh yeah, well, but, but this makes sense. And here's why, like, just consider, right? Yeah. Um, just, just consider that it could be that, and it in fact is the case that you were made in God's image and, and you have value and you have value for that very reason. Exactly right. You have an intrinsic dignity and intrinsic value that is derivative of the absolute dignity and the absolute value of your creator. Mm. And that's where your value and your dignity come from. Mm -hmm. So otherwise you don't have grounds for them. Likewise, you also stand condemned. If you are, if you are separated from the one from whom your dignity is derived. Yeah then, then you, you are, you stand condemned then, then, so here's, here's an application for Christians, right? Um, we must not demonize those with whom we disagree or those with whom we share worldview differences. Like, you know, if someone is, um, Islamic extremist. somebody could be a Muslim. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And an Islamic extremist is a fine example. We, we ought not demonize Muslims 
generally you don't i mean uh, are there cases where there are muslim extremists who who commit heinous acts of of terror absolutely there's also you know white identity white supremacists who commit heinous acts of terror in kind of cultural you know you, you don't want to go finger pointing broadly to to say this particular person did this and therefore you extrapolate it to an entire population yeah. and you demonize an entire population yeah, that's again the dehumanizing aspect exactly because at, yeah. at, at the end of the day you cannot evangelize those whom you hate that's true right you you have to love them that's right <laughs> and 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 that's that's, I would just say that's key, right? And, One of those senses in which the image of God is so important to hang on to yeah. is, is love your fellow human being. And that's being. interesting, too, because like no matter how much someone sins, they never stop being image of God. Right. So no matter how depraved or, or, or wicked someone is, they still need to hear the gospel. Yeah. Right? You don't ever cut that off. And actually, I would, there's, uh, I think we maybe mentioned it when we talked about hell, but... I think this image of God concept is is part of how hell is so hellish, because think of it as the fact that in hell you have people still made in the image of God, yeah. but they hate him so much. Could you imagine anything worse? Like 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 hell is they are trying to destroy God. They're trying to attack, but they can't. All they can do is attack themselves. I mean, it's it's basically, I mean, there's pain and suffering, but also I think. Uh, a maximizing of self-loathing, mm. a maximizing of of hatred and anger in in hell, uh, uh, and ultimately who they can lash out against is only themselves, mm. because they are in the image of God, even in the darkest uh, pit of hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, this has been uh, a good discussion. I really appreciate what you brought out, Dylan, regarding uh, you know those to consider. If you're listening, please consider yeah. your image of God. You have value. Uh, and for those Christians who are listening, uh, don't uh, don't dismiss people. Um, they 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 still have value, uh, and they still need to hear the word of yeah. God and yeah. be restored by the gospel. Right. So, uh, again, thank you for for joining us this morning. This has been two guys in the Bible. If you have uh, questions, comments for Dylan and myself, uh, you can email us at the number two guys in the Bible podcast at gmail.com. And I mentioned earlier, if you go to our website, there you can uh, you could support us if you if you feel inclined to do so. We would certainly appreciate and 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 benefit from your support. Uh, we are a a listener supported podcast, and you can also send questions. Uh, from the from the website there, you can contact us directly. Uh, so again, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you again, Dylan, for joining me. Of course. And uh, until next time. All right. God, God bless. bless. You.